Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 23, Jordan number of our 24-minute recaps here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, make sure, as always, to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and, of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So for today's recap, we're going to be going over the multiple games that happened today some of them and then some that happened yesterday we're going to start with the clippers against the thunder then we're going to go to the celtics against the Cavs. then we'll move on to the wizards against the spurs and then i'll close out by going over a little bit of the warriors game last night against the jazz as well as the nets loss to i'm sorry the nets victory over the heat so let's start with the clips back in action again in one of those ever so concerning sunday afternoon games that have been an achilles heel for us of recent times, but our winning streak did start with us beating the Bulls two weeks ago on a Sunday, and we did just that again, this time with the Thunder. And how did it start again, guys? What is the magic key to the games with the Clippers? Defensive intensity to start the game. And again, Kawhi Leonard mainly has really brought it defensively this year. Like, you know, in today's day and age when you have 1080p HD TVs, and you can literally see players' lips moving, you can tell who's communicating and who's not. You can tell who's talking during pick and rolls. You can tell who's talking in transition. And Kawhi, especially with the no fans, you can really hear people's voices. Kawhi has been so much better defensively this year. This is how you lead by example. This is how you go out every single game and play well on both ends of the floor, setting that example for your team. He's not load managing anymore, and you've got to give Ty Lue a ton of credit for bringing the best out of him. Because right now he's rolling, he was rolling to start this game from deep. His first five shots were threes because he hit two of them, so he got a little three happy with that. I thought overall the Clippers were a bit too three happy. But besides Kawhi, someone else who started off really well was Serge. Serge did a good job of protecting the rim, you know, contesting shots. Uh, I think he got a couple of blocks in the game, if I'm not mistaken. No, he didn't have a couple of blocks. I guess he just affected shots. But he started out against, you know, Roby, who is not doesn't look very strong and tall. He's more of a forward than a traditional center. Yeah, he's only 6'8", and he was playing the center spot for the, the, the Thunder in this game. And we were we did a good job of getting it to Serge. Not only did his... When I saw the first shot of the game for the Clippers be a jumper from Serge, I knew that was a sign of good things to come. And there were a couple of times where Serge got in deep. You know, he doesn't have much post game at all. He really just has a jump hook against really smaller guys. And he did a good job of getting in deep. He got a couple offensive rebounds, put it up and in, was, you know, big boying Roby and some, some Oklahoma City Thunder players. He had a second consecutive great game against his former team. 17 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, for I'm sorry, no, wait. That was the last game, wasn't it? I may have gotten the wrong game up. Yeah, my bad. It wasn't 17 points and 11 rebounds. 
it was 17 points and six rebounds. So close enough. He still had 17 points. So I thought Serge was really good to start the game. I thought we had a great first quarter overall, 36 to 19. We led after one. Pat Bev was very intense, you know, giving the same energy that we always asked from him. You guys, uh, if you watch the game, you saw he got a steal and an inbounds pass super early in the game and laid it in. You know, those are turnovers that you just cannot commit. And at any level, quite frankly. But Patrick Beverly, he doesn't give up on any plays. He's always alert. Got a steal, got a layup um, to put us up 9-4, to four, I, I believe. But yeah, Kawhi was going to work in that first quarter. PG was a little slow. But I still thought that it, all that matters is being alert on defense, talking together as a team. And we really, you know, we're coming out hungry this season in games. And I'm hungry. I'm, the, I'm very hungry. Clipper fans are hungry. So I hope the players are coming out hungry, and they have. Except when Lou came in, and we didn't have Morris today, but when Lou came in, again, our offense just kind of went down the drain a bit. Just, you know, when Lou's not hitting shots, he's just a complete liability. And one of nine today, he only played 14 minutes, so credit to Ty Lou for, like, really killing his minutes in the second half. But, yeah, I, I said it in the Dallas game. Lou Williams, we need to find a way to trade him. And, you know, the Thunder did a good job of competing. You know, some guys, I'm going to give some Thunder players some, some love here. I already talked about Hamadou Diallo in previous episodes improving a lot. But also Darius Baisley. I see him as a guy. He's long. You know, I think he can improve a lot in this league as well. He was 4 of 7 today with 9 points and 11 rebounds. But at halftime, you know, we still had a fairly comfortable advantage at 56 to 45 and then the third quarter they started coming back cutting it down to five they just started hitting some shots executing playing hard and I thought that our offense was really the one that kind of took a little bit of a downturn I thought that we got a bit stagnant again like we usually do and we were really really forcing it on the threes today that's one thing I didn't like and we need to make sure that we don't get too three happy. That's what did us in last year. I know we're a very good three-point shooting team by the percentages, but that's because we usually mix it up with inside and outside. And when the outside isn't falling, sometimes open threes need to be passed up. I am not under the belief that every open three needs to be taken. When we have Kawhi and Paul George who can score on people down low, who can score again into the basket, who can hit contested mid-ranges with consistency, especially in Kawhi's case, sometimes we don't need those threes. And I thought Kawhi did a good job of breaking the cold spells like a star did because PG just didn't have his game today and that's okay because he didn't have a necessarily a bad a horrible game he didn't play great but he still contributed in other ways like having him out there for playmaking purposes and having him out there to play defense is big as well but I thought somebody who actually gave the Clippers a nice lift off the bench and is starting to you know, get back to form is Ivica Zubats. You know, he had some nice blocks, two of them to be exact. He was changing shots. He he does a really good job of when picking and pick and rolls. You know, when when two guys head over to the ball handler, get into the basket, he does a great job of making that guy pay for helping by getting an offensive rebound and putting it back up and in. I think he had four points off second chance today, ten and eleven overall for Zoo, so a nice double double. But Overall, the Thunder made it close in the fourth quarter, you know, getting it down to within six. George Hill, who I've been saying multiple times this season, we need to find a way to get our hands on him. He showed us exactly why today. He was hitting threes. He's good in the pick and roll. He's a smart player. He has floater game in the in-between. And speaking of somebody who played well today as well in the pick and roll and just played well in general, surprisingly, he got no minutes in the first half. But with Patrick Beverly, who I hope is okay, knee soreness, knee soreness, they said, 
But Reggie Jackson came into the game for Pat Bev and started splashing. And when I mean splashing, I mean like shots that just hit the bottom of the net. No, no rim, no nothing. Whether it was catch and shoot. There was even one he hit off the, off the dribble pull up. And here's the thing. When it comes to catch and shoot Reggie Jackson, he's pretty good. But again, it's kind of just papering over the cracks. I know Reggie Jackson can play well against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That means nothing to me. But I still need to give him props where... Where it, um, where it's where it's due. And Reggie Jackson came in and gave us a lift. Ultimately, it was Kawhi Leonard that closed the game out for us. Nick Batum and Paul George each hit nice threes in the fourth quarter to seal the deal and to give the Clippers their seventh win in a row. I mean, guys, I could not be more happy with the way things are going right now. Los Angeles is taking turns at the top of the West. And for people that live in Los Angeles, that is a great thing. Clippers win it 108 to 100. My player of the game without question. He had 30 plus, he had 30 points through three quarters tonight, giving it the whole repertoire. Turn over the right shoulder fade, turn over the left shoulder, two dribble pull up in the corner, you know, everything. Kawhi Leonard, and on both ends of the floor, zero turnovers, 34 points, 14 of 24 from the field, four of nine from three, nine rebounds, eight assists. And the best plus-minus of the game, plus 14. Kawhi seems like he's really trying to go for MVP this season, and I could not love it more. Go for that MVP, buddy. Hey, he's trying to do the Jordan, Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. And you all know I said Kawhi is an overrated defender, but the way he's playing this season is not overrated because, once again, defense is all effort. As we talked about, is the NBA getting better and better? Go watch those episodes if you haven't. So, Clippers on to seven wins in a row. Now we're going to go head out east for a road trip. I'm very excited to see us hit some adversity, see how we do against some Eastern Conference teams. But I did look at this schedule, and to be honest, I think we should win all of those games. But we'll just take it one game at a time. Anyway, let's go to the Celtics who played against the Cavs today. Still no Jason Tatum, but the Cavs have not lost against dime dropper teams. Or should I say, not lost when I've watched them play. But the Celtics did something different today that they haven't done in a lot of games. And they lost two games in a row to the Sixers, but... They came out with, same as the Clippers, but maybe even higher, defensive intensity, active hands, talking on D, fighting over screens, and that starts with their leaders. Kemba Walker today came out aggressive in the pick and roll, you know, getting into the mid-range when it was there, pulling, getting to the rim, shooting threes. Tonight was, you know, we said that Kemba's three ball was struggling a bit. Today, three of five. And then he was fighting over screens. And Jalen Brown is always playing good defense. Marcus Smart. And the Cavs just couldn't really get anything. They were hit with a punch. And that's the thing about a lot of these NBA teams. When they hit with the punch, how are they going to respond? You know, this Cavs team didn't just uh, chuck a bunch of threes. But for whatever reason, they really struggled to score. They were just a step behind the Celtics today. If you had watched them play today, you would have thought, oh, it's the same shitty Cavs team. Not the Cavs team that's above 500 that we've been watching this season and I've been talking about it on Dime Dropper. But I think this also goes to show, guys, not just because they weren't at home, that the Nets' defense is really bad. Because the Celtics made this Cavs team look very terrible today. And Marcus Smart was really aggressive off the pick and roll. When Marcus Smart's hitting his shots... It's funny because he hits shots that stars hit, but he doesn't hit them consistently at all. And he even had a nice moment today, a nice little... He had some Larry Legend, dare I say, type of passes. 
thrown it over the head, no look. One was a nice behind the back going baseline to Tice, who I thought also had a really good game today. Tice had 17 points, but this game was really out of sight by halftime. You know, the Celtics pushed that lead up to 21. Semi Ojale came in and got some good minutes for the Seas. Six points, two of four from the field, one of one from three. Aaron Naismith, that had to be his best game as an NBA player. Four of six from the field, 11 points. Uh, you know who else had his best game as a pro? No question. He actually got some solid minutes. He started out with a mid-range jumper off a pump fake, and then he started scoring, and that was Carson Edwards, who we remember from Purdue. 18 points, five boards in just 19 minutes of play. For the Celtics, it was just too easy all game long, up 20, built it up to 40, and they came out with the right attitude on both ends of the floor, and the stars were just too much to handle. 12 rebounds for Tristan Thompson, by the way, five points for him. The Celtics starters, plus 31, Thompson, Tice, plus 33, Kemba, plus 30, Marcus, plus 30, and Jalen Brown, plus 31. Jalen Brown continues to put on an MVP campaign. 33 points in 19 minutes. Like, it's so easy for him now. 13 of 20 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. He became the first player since Chet the Jet Walker of the Philadelphia 76ers in the mid-60s to score 30 or more in under 20 minutes, which is incredible. If you're in a conversation that you can't go, you can't uh, mention somebody since Chet Walker... In the mid-60s, that is great company right there. Chet the Jet Walker, one of the best players of his era, one of the best small forwards of his era, and a champion at that. The Celtics, 141-103, to winning it big, 9-6, and and Jason Tatum is slated to come back in the next game against the Chicago Bulls. So if you're a Celtics fan, things are starting to look good. Anyway, let's move on to the Wizards. So our Wizards fans, they're back. It's been a minute. The Wizards are back. They were playing against the Spurs, who we've caught a couple times here on Dime Dropper. Westbrook was back, and the Wizards were extremely shorthanded. No Denny Avdia, no Rui, no Bertans, no Neto. So Jerome Robinson and Robin Lopez started because Thomas Bryant's out for the year, but Isak Bonga was put back into the starting lineup. And I actually thought the Wizards got off to a really good start. They were really energized on defense, which I cannot say about the Wizards much this season. Really energized on defense. You know, Beal and Westbrook were leading the charge in that department in terms of setting an example. And Jerome Robinson, Isak Bonga, they were getting some open threes in transition. And this is something I need to note. The Wizards, with a point guard like Westbrook, they should look to run more. We talked about this, but Westbrook used to be known for being an insane athlete that loved to push the pace. And the Wizards need to do that more. And I think that there was obviously a lot of, you know, the Wizards were very limited offensively tonight in their personnel. Alex Len made his debut, though. He came off the bench and gave him some good minutes. 11 points, 5 boards. I even thought Robin Lopez was pretty good defending the rim. But Rudy Gay and Patty Mills, I mean, when we've watched the Spurs, this is our fifth time talking about them this season. They... That Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge high pick and roll is so hard to guard straight up. You have to switch basically because Patty Mills just cannot be given room coming off screens at all because he hits everything. And then when your big man comes to, you know, hedge or drop to guard Patty Mills, usually, usually drop, you're, you know, it's, he has to drop and recover to LaMarcus Aldridge and that pick and pop with Aldridge, that 18 footer with Aldridge is one of the more automatic mid ranges, 18 footers of the last 20 years. I mean, that guy's got it down to a science. He still does. That doesn't age very much, that that ability. 
So, yeah. They they eventually kind of got outclassed, I feel like, the Wizards. You know, they were only down by like five points at halftime, but they just didn't have the offense to keep up. I thought Cassius Winston gave him some good minutes off the bench, but the, the Wizards created a lot of open threes. You know, Westbrook, here's the thing about Westbrook, guys. I've been saying the truth about him all season, how bad he's been, and I'm not going to sugarcoat him because I like Russ, but his his you know scoring ability right now is very liability like there people are giving him room because they know he's not going to hit the jumper and then he's running in and he is finding some good guys open for threes but they just don't have that much shooting right now i mean no Berton, that's a big miss Neto is somebody who can knock it down at times they were 14 of 42 from three tonight and the spurs eventually started showing their class 15 of 31 from three, 48 points for San Antonio. Patty Mills led the way with 21. He was a plus 29. So overall, and by the way, DeJounte Murray had a triple-double, 11 points, 10 boards. I'm sorry, 11 points, 11 boards, 10 assists. I thought Beal was pretty good, 31 points. I mean, it's just another night at the office for him. Russell Westbrook was minus 20, by the way, by far the worst on the Wizards. At least, I should say, by far of the starters. But yeah, I just think that this Wizards team was too injured to get a win tonight. And the the more we go on, the more it's looking like my pick of the Wizards making the playoffs was completely wrong and that this team is a complete disaster. And I don't know how they haven't fired the coach yet, but it's also personnel issues as well, largely. But they dropped to 3-9, and nine, and they're in danger of just being dropped from Dime Dropper altogether at this point. Now we're going to briefly finish it off before we get to the 24 minutes and get to the YouTube subscribers who are waiting so patiently. By the way, Super Chats are turned on, so please, why don't you drop a dime once we get to you guys, and I will check out your comments. But Warriors and Jazz last night, so an interesting one. By the way, I'm not going to talk about the Suns because they didn't have Devin Booker, and they took the Nuggets to overtime or double OT and lost. That's about expected, but anyway, Warriors and Jazz. So the Warriors came out and got sucker punched so bad and it was it was literally it was so hilarious you know it started with donovan mitchell rudy gobert pick and roll which if you're gonna guard that straight up without switching which the warriors do not have switching personnel anymore like they used to you're gonna have to guard you have to give something up and so they were trying to not let rudy gobert get easy runs to the rim so that means that an open three is created and royce o'neill started out hitting every open three and then Mike Conley started coming up and hitting contested threes. And before you knew it, Steph hadn't touched the ball. The Wizards, I'm sorry, the Warriors were down 16-0. And they had to play catch-up after that. And Steph and Wiggins did okay. But, you know, the Jazz are just a better team than the Warriors. Especially at home. They're better defensively. They're better offensively. So it's going to be hard for a team like the Warriors, if they put themselves in a hole like that, to come back. And it's time to talk about... Kelly Oubre, honestly, at this point, it's it's gotten to the point where he needs to be dropped from the starting lineup because this is the second game in a row where the Warriors have started out poorly, you know, the Knicks as well. And Draymond Green, as it is, he cannot... Honestly, um, somebody on Twitter made a good point about it. If Draymond plays well, the Warriors have a great chance of winning, and if he doesn't play well, they literally have, like, no chance of winning. And that doesn't mean scoring, but I do think that Draymond, something that's contingent of him, like, something that's an indicator of him playing well is he needs to look to score. Like, he gets so much space from Curry. Floaters. I know he's not a great shooter. That doesn't mean he needs to take only threes. He needs to, he needs to be a threat. He needs to... Keep shooting the ball because if you don't shoot, you're never going to start hitting anything. And Kelly Oubre thinks that he can hit. And every time he shoots it, I think, and I think most Warriors fans are at this point, they think he's going to miss. It's so bad. And Steph, yeah, 9 of 18, 5 of 10 from 3, it was too late. 
It was too late. And the Jazz are on a roll right now. Everything that they touch turns to gold right now. They're one of those teams that are just in a complete zone as a team and as individuals, especially shooting the basketball. Again, in this game, 40% from three, 20 to 20 for 50. They shot 53s, but they were a lot of them were good looks. And Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are elite pick and roll threats. Because when Mike Conley's hitting that floater that he was missing last year, well, he's Mike Conley, and obviously he's a little older, but they're getting the Mike Conley we expected last year. And, you know, 17 points for him in this game, plus 40. Donovan Mitchell, 23 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, 9 of 18. And you know what, guys? Obviously, not, not a game you expect to win if you're a Warriors fan, but the effort just coming out so lackadaisical, so kind of like, you cannot, the Warriors are not a good enough team anymore to try to dig themselves out of those holes. You can't just rely on Steph Curry to bail you out like that. You have to come out with more intensity. And that goes on Draymond Green. That's on Steve Kerr. That was a little too easy. Obviously not a game they expect to win. But I got to say something about the, and by the way, congratulations to Curry for passing Reggie Miller. I, um, I remember the day that Ray Allen passed Reggie Miller in 2011. I remember watching the game against the Lakers. It was on TNT. It was amazing witnessing history like that to see the, the great Reggie Miller, you know, get passed by Ray Allen and to see Steph Curry pass him now. And we're going to see a lot more people pass Reggie Miller as the three-pointer has become so prevalent. But very, very great moment. And Steph Curry is going to hit that number one real soon. But overall, by the way, I see a calm anti-Steve Kerr coming from a Warriors fan. Let's take those three championships away then. How about that? And bring Mark Jackson back, who didn't unleash Draymond, who didn't bring Iguodala off the bench, who didn't run a very off-ball-centric offense for Steph that made him the player he is today. Anyway, let's let's move on. So, by, oh, this is what I was going to say about the Jazz. The Utah Jazz are scaring me because the Clippers have always had a very shaky matchup with them, and I can totally see them as the third-seed team that beats us in the second round. Not because they're a better team. Because... We're the Clippers, and it's the second round, and I can just totally see the. I mean, think about the storylines. Rudy Gobert with coronavirus. The Jazz blew a 3-1 lead last year. You know, you get the whole squad back. You know, no real changes. Nobody in the media is talking about it, and they're starting to play well together. They're winning games. No one's still talking about it. You know, people don't think we're talking about the Clippers. People are talking even less about the Jazz. They have less star power. Shaq just called out Donovan Mitchell. It seems like it's all aligning into a way in which the Jazz play the Clippers in the second round and we lose. And I'm only saying that because it's the Clippers and the second round we've always lost. So you know what this means to the Clippers? It's imperative that we get the number one seed. We need to get it because I don't want to play Utah in the second round. They scare me just because of who they are and who we are. And that's going to mean keep, keep doing what we're doing, move on to the next with the Utah Jazz. One guy I used to argue with at the park all the time playing basketball said one thing to me one year, and I'll never forget it. I always joke about it. Whoever's going to play the Utah Jazz in the playoffs going to have some real trouble on their hands. Anyway, let's move on to the Heat and the Nets briefly. The Net, the Heat were very shorthanded. No hero, no Jimmy Butler. The Nets started out really well. Joe Harris was scorching from deep. And one thing I think the Nets need to do is, is the same as I said about the Wizards. Try and push the ball more. That comes from getting stops, which they struggle with immensely. But if you get into the open court, that makes offense more simple because it's kind of like you just got to, re- it's more reactionary than set. It's in the half court and slower paced offenses where you have to think more and the defense is back and in their matchups. You know, pushing the ball with guys like Kyrie Harden, Joe Harris, and and Kevin Durant, you got to do that. And they should. 
And Joe Harris was getting open looks in transition as the game started. And the, the, the Nets were looking pretty good. KD in his bag. Kyrie was doing a much better job of just focusing more on other things like defense and not being a lazy bum. I loved it. He didn't just chuck it up. And I think that the Nets did a good job of getting the role players involved. But I thought Harden was way too passive, which is insane because I'm talking about James Harden right now. But way too passive. And as the game went on, the you know the Heat? as we talked about in the glorified summer league, they're a team that never quits. They're not going to roll over. They're a very ragtag group right now. And they slowly started getting back into the game and they went zone, that famous heat zone. And the Nets, outside of like a couple possessions, they never had anybody go to that high post we always talk about, guys. And that's when a zone becomes effective, when it's all perimeter-based and you're still trying to run pick and roll and pick and pop out of the zone. The Heat did a good job, and especially when Durant went out of the game. Durant, again, it's literally become so easy for him. It's like breathing. 31 points, 11 of 19 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. I mean, this guy may lead the league in scoring, coming off an Achilles injury at age 31. This is insane. Insane what he's doing. But that being said, it's all about the end result, and the Heat did a good job of getting it closer and the Nets closed the game out, not because of Harden. Harden was way too passive, in my opinion. Only eight shots taken. That's insane. Six turnovers, 11 assists, 12 points. And, yeah, Harden needs to figure out a happy medium. Like, I know he wants to be the facilitator, but this is just a bit much. Again, DeAndre Jordan didn't miss a shot, but he only played 21 minutes because the Nets went small a lot. And Reggie Perry was equally as bad, I thought. He only scored four points, only played 12 minutes, but I just thought... He's not it. But the Nets shot well from deep, 19 of 37, 51%. That's the reason they won ultimately. Joe Harris, 8 of 14, 7 of 12 from 3, 23 points. But I cannot leave out the fact that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but especially Kyrie Irving, really closed the game out in regulation in the fourth quarter. He took over the game. He made shots. And that's what great players do. Kevin Durant, you know, one of the better closers in the league. And it was it was a funny moment because it's... There was Kyrie was starting to take over. The defense collapsed. He kicked it out to KD, and it was one of those. Now I got a guy that can trust to make that shot too moments. You know, that diss at LeBron that he said. Obviously, you know I don't agree with it. But Kyrie Irving, regardless of what I've said about him, regardless of how he's playing, he is one of the best closers in the league because he can get a bucket at any time on anyone with any type of defense on him for the most part. But that's all I have to say. It was a good win for the Nets. They had to get it. If they had lost three games in a row, that would have been terrible. 10-8 and eight on the season, 128-124 to the final. My player of the game is none other than KD, the Durantula, 31 points. But that's it for tonight's episode, guys. Let me know what you think. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to let me know, you know, what you're thinking of these episodes. Peace. Right at 20, a little over 24. We'll take it.